Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. I'm an American, and I believe in American ingenuity and hard work, unlike my friend here, Cam Brady, who believes that everyone should live in rainbow land. Okay. I'm referring to a 13-page doctrine written by Camden Brady called Rainbow Land. I think anybody that writes about the redistribution of wealth sounds like a communist to me. a simple story of a teddy bear giving a pot of gold to a leprechaun, okay? That's right. May I read from page seven? Please come with me to Rainbow Land, where unicorns are made of fudge and cotton candy, and everything is free. It's a fictitious place. Rainbow Land, is, it's fiction. I guess we're all idiots, according to Cam Brady. I didn't say that. I did not say that. Hey, hey. I do not want to live in Rainbow Land, and you can't make me live in Rainbow Land! This is America! You do not have to live in Rainbow Land. You can go to Rainbow Land. It does not exist. It's a fictitious place. I was eight when I wrote it. It's It's right here in his communist manifesto. I won't go to Rainbow Land. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event here in the U.S. of Rainbowland. Yes, folks, this is, appears to be where we live. Lots of stuff going on this week. Lots of stuff going on this week in uh, politics, the, the, the debate. Uh, cops throwing uh, high school high school kids are all around, all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about all of it, but first let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Orange. And coming soon to a few other cities near, my, near where you are, where you can hear my voice, uh, if you're interested in, in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need real estate financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one last time, day or night, 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone because uh, it's so personal. It's so personal talking on the phone. I'd rather email. I'd rather do something on the internet so you don't have to know that I have a scratchy voice or that uh, I smoked a cigarette on my break or, uh, hey, hey, doll, thanks for calling. Uh, so, uh, but you don't want to talk, talk out loud for some reason. You can go to edhoffman.net, click apply now, fill out the, uh, information, whatever you want me to know and find, and let me know what you want to find out and you'll hear back by whatever, uh, means of communication you, uh, deem, the best, whether that's email, text, 
smoke signals, or uh, we'll actually call you on the phone. You'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, uh, Alex uh, Rojas, Randy Sampius, Justin Clark, and uh, me or one of my crew will hook you up on whatever it is that you're looking for or guide you guide you to the landing strip you're looking to land on. Um, if you want, if you hear something uh, that, that you want repeated, you can also hear the show repeated on edhoffman.net. Click listen to the main event. Or you can get me on, uh, on podcast by going to iTunes. Uh, search Ed Hoffman, and you could uh, click on that, and you could subscribe for free, so it'll download to your computer or your iPod, iPad, iWatch, or iPhone every week, and you can uh, hear it whenever you want. So if you're not near the radio at 9.30 on Saturday morning or 9 o'clock on Saturday night or 4 o'clock at Sunday afternoon, you could still hear my opinion on the world of the world and everything in it. Cause you know, everybody has an opinion and I just figure everybody's entitled to mine and, uh, I got the microphone. So, uh, enjoy it or switch channels. So anyway, uh, you can also follow me at Twitter at Ed Hoffman and uh, where I tweet about current events all week long and you can hear my opinion on everything that's going on or, uh, Facebook search us at the main event five ninety. Or uh, you can also uh, read my weekly opinions on uh, IE Business Daily, IEBusinessDaily.com. Click on the opinions and you'll see my full list of what I think about everything that's going on every week. So uh, what is going on every week? There's all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, first of all, let's talk about uh, we have a new Speaker of the House this week. And uh, Oh, wait, should I talk about financing houses? Nah, if you hear if you hear something that sounds like common sense and you want to finance a house, just take my word for it. I'm the best. I'm the best at, at doing loans. If you need some uh, guidance into something that's best for you, call me. So uh, so let's just talk about politics because that's more fun. Um, so uh, we got a new Speaker of the House, uh, Republican Republican Paul Ryan, who was our uh, the the uh, vice presidential candidate with Mitt Romney. He was running for the number two spot. With Mitt Romney four years ago, but uh, now he uh, has the number three spot. So understanding, for those of you that don't understand how the government works, which is about, I don't know, 90% of America, if the president and the vice president get uh, become incapacitated at the same time, the Speaker of the House steps into president. So, uh, so Paul Ryan was officially elected the 54th Speaker of the House. Thursday, he got the votes of 236 House members, 236 out of 200 and 435 this comes one month after John Boehner announced his resignation and a great deal of infighting. If you remember, uh, they thought Kevin McCarthy was going to be the man because he's the uh, Republican majority leader. But he went on TV and said something about uh, us uh, doing a uh, Benghazi committee and look at what it's done to Hillary's Hillary's uh, um, her her polls. And then they clipped it. Everybody didn't hear the next sentence where he said. The more something about, hey, people hear hear what she says and they know that she's untrustable. Again, I don't know if untrustable is a word. I haven't Googled it, but uh, that's what he said. And uh, everybody used that against him to say, see, the Benghazi, the Benghazi hearing is all about, it's not about getting to the bottom of anything. It's about ruining Hillary's uh, campaign as president. Uh, if he had any, uh, if he had any, uh, any, uh, um, let me think what word I could use. If he had any guts, he would have come on TV and said, Hey, that's not what I said. Everybody's taking me out of context, which is what Trump would have said. Or, uh, Carly Fiorina would have said, or Ben Carson would have said, cause they wouldn't have let, let that go. Instead. He just, he just kept quiet. 
and went into fetal position and and crawled in crawled in his little little corner and said, "Okay, I'm not going to run for speaker of the house now." So Paul Ryan's the man now. Here's a clip of uh, I, you know Nancy Pelosi. Why is Nancy? I guess John Boehner stepped down first, so he couldn't hand the gavel over. So Nancy Pelosi, the uh, the 108 year old lady who used to be speaker of the house who uh, needs to uh, not be in Congress anymore. She passed it over. So here's here's Nancy Pelosi uh, passing over the gavel and a, th- a couple of seconds of uh, of Paul's exception, exception speech, acceptance speech. This is the people's house. This is the people's gavel. In the people's name, it is my privilege to hand this gavel to the Speaker of the House, Congressman and Honorable Paul Ryan. Thank you. It's not until you hold this gavel, stand in this spot, look out and see all 435 members of this House as if all America is sitting right in front of you. It's not till then that you feel it. The weight of responsibility, the gravity of the moment. But let's be frank. The House is broken. We're not solving problems. We're adding to them. And I am not interested in laying blame. We are not settling scores. We are wiping the slate clean. I I wonder if wiping the slate clean, does that mean like how Hillary Clinton wiped off her server? Or uh, I don't know. You know, Paul, Paul Ryan... Paul Ryan's a good guy. Um, I don't know if he's uh, charismatic enough to ever be president, but um, uh, he's a smart guy, and, and he was reluctant to take to uh, to take this position uh, because he felt it's like a, a thankless job, which it probably is. But let's see what he does with it. I, I don't know that anybody could do any worse. I was I was uh, if it wasn't him, Daryl Issa, or uh, or uh, Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy didn't want it because he wants to finish the Benghazi thing. But, you know, we need somebody with some guts uh, for lack of more more uh, brash words I could use. Um, so good luck to Paul Ryan. But for those of you that don't pay attention, Paul Ryan is now Speaker of the House. No more of the <laughs> John Bader, weeping guy. That doesn't seem to get anything done. Okay, so uh, Wednesday night was CNBC debate. Uh, uh, Republican debate was quite the train wreck. Uh, the third presidential debate held in Boulder, Colorado on Wednesday, hosted by CNBC. It was supposed to be about economic policy, and apparently when, they, when the, when the uh, moderators finished their final questions, they forgot. They forgot that, and uh, uh, they appeared, appeared united on one thing. They didn't believe the moderator. Everybody on stage appeared that they, they weren't too happy about what the moderators were doing. Becky Quick, who I've never heard of. John Harwood, I've never heard of. Uh, Carl Quintanilla, who I've never heard of. Oh, because I don't watch CNBC. Used to watch it in the mornings just to get the stock market stuff, but I don't anymore um, because they're too liberal. Case in point, here's the first question, the first question of the debate to Donald Trump. Mr. Trump. Yes. You've done very well in this campaign so far by promising to build a wall and make another country pay for it. Right. Send 11 million people out of the country. Cut taxes $10 trillion without increasing the deficit. Right. And make Americans better off because your greatness would replace the stupidity and incompetence of others. That's right. Let's be honest. (laughs) 
Is this a comic book version of a presidential no, campaign? It's not a comic book, and it's not a very nicely asked question the way you say that. Uh, Larry Kudlow, as an example, who I have a lot of respect for, loves my tax plan. We're reducing taxes to 15 percent. We're bringing corporate taxes down, bringing money back in corporate inversions. We have two and a half trillion dollars outside of the United States, which we want to bring back in. As far as the wall is concerned, we're going to build a wall. We're going to create a border. We're going to let people in, but they're going to come in legally. They're going to come in legally. And it's something that can be done. It's something that can be done. Hey, we're hey we're going to get rid of 11 million people. For let me just let me just point out a few things that I don't agree with here. Number one, they've been saying 11 million people for about 20 years, but there's about a million people a year come over the border because we won't stop them and we won't build a wall. So if you've read Ann Coulter's book Adios America, you'll realize it's really closer to 30 or 40 million people now. But we keep saying 11 million people. It's only 11 million people. Does anybody think that? that a number is bs uh i do and uh and because it makes sense and we're gonna build the wall we're gonna build the wall and we're gonna make the mexican government so i'm walking my dog this morning and i run into one of my neighbors my name and and we start talking about how we uh what we thought about the debate and he goes yeah the donald trump you know how's he gonna make a foreign government pay to build the wall i'll tell you how how you do it because i understand business i don't know if he can do it for sure but you say, hey, that North American free trade agreement that we did that has all kinds of money coming into Mexico because factories are going down there. We stop honoring it. You say, you're going to pay us this much money or else we're going to stop bringing in your products in from the in from Mexico. The legal products, of course, I suppose the drugs, the drugs, the weed, the cocaine, the heroin will continue. But uh, maybe we'll get tough on that someday when we build the wall. So and then you might you might not have heard this you know hey we're going to bring the money back from over from from Mexico and we're going to stop the corporate inversions corporate inversions are what companies like Burger King Burger King who bought Tim Hortons donuts uh, I don't know six months ago so you go what's a corporate inversion I don't even understand what that is so Burger King Burger King bought Tim Hortons donuts the donut donut place in Canada and I'm sure they've got some places here. And uh, merge the companies together. And they moved their corporate headquarters to Canada. Why? Because the corporate taxes are much lower there. So what did that do to America? We not only are getting less taxes from uh, Burger King slash Tim Hortons, we're getting no taxes. So how did that work out for you? You know why Apple builds iPhones in China? Because all those people that work over there, they don't have to pay as much taxes. They don't have as much regulation. What would happen if we... If we pulled the government back and unchoked business, you'd have business come back. People in China aren't any smarter than us. We can build iPhones. We can build we can build we can build anything. But the taxes and the regulations are so high that we're choking business out. So does that stuff make does that stuff make sense? I think it makes sense, but you can hear how 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 they answer it, how they ask the questions. It was insulting and uh, they're making fun of it. Then they go on to uh, Ben Carson, and they and they swiped at him on Costco and how how he's on the board of Costco, but Costco is a very gay friendly company and is contra- is contradicting uh, Ben Carson's uh, position on homosexuality. Well, obviously, you don't understand my views on homosexuality. Uh, I believe that our Constitution protects everybody. 
regardless of their sexual orientation or any other aspect. I also believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. And uh, there is no reason that you can't uh, be perfectly fair to the gay community. They shouldn't automatically assume that because you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, that you are a homophobe. And this is one of the myths that the left perpetrates on our society. And this is how they frighten people and get people to shut up. You know, that's what the PC culture is all about, and it's destroying this nation. And the fact of the matter is, we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. It's those people who are trying to divide us who are the enemies, and we need to make that very clear to everybody. Then it got worse Worse when she questioned him about his connection with a controversial nutritional supplement company called uh, Manatech, which is apparently a multi-level marketing company that he went and spoke for, uh, did a speech for some, uh, you know, it's like going to Amway or Herbalife or or uh, what's that stuff that uh, you drink, a little thing of, the day. I know there's a million of these multi-level marketing companies. Some of you guys are in it or you've been in it. And uh, let's hear how he responded to that. This is a company called Manatech, a maker of nutritional supplements with which you had a 10-year relationship. They offered claims that they could cure autism, cancer. They paid $7 million to settle a deceptive marketing lawsuit in Texas. And yet your involvement continued. Why? Well, that's easy to answer. I didn't have an involvement with them. That is total propaganda. And this is what happens in our society, total propaganda. I did a couple of speeches for them. I did speeches for other people. They were paid speeches. It is absolutely absurd to say that I had any kind of a relationship with them. Do I take the product? Yes. I I think it's a good product. Uh, To be fair, you were on the homepage of their website with the logo over your shoulder. If somebody put me on their homepage, they did it without my permission. Does that not speak to your vetting process or judgment in any way? No, it speaks to the fact that I don't know that it's going on. (laughs) See, they know. (laughs) So so, somehow the the peers, the audience was on to the moderators as well as how they're trying to push him around. You know what? Just because, you know, does that say something to your vetting process? Hey, you know what? I got a picture on my Twitter feed of uh, of me and Carly Fiorina. I met Mark Carly Fiorina a couple times, and I've heard her speak a few times. But do you think Carly Fiorina is endorsing everything that I tweet out? I would say probably not. Also, I had a picture of me and Ben Carson and Ben Carson's wife. And uh, because when I met them, we took a picture. And I like Ben Carson. I like Carly Fiorina. And I also have a picture of me and uh, George W. Bush. Guess what? Do you think that means George W. Bush endorses everything on my Twitter feed or uh, anything else that I put on put on uh, on my website or any of that? No. means, hey, I got a chance to meet some people that I respect. And I was proud that I got a chance to meet him. Okay, so, and you know how you go on, you go on, and you you take a picture off somebody else's email, and you copy it, and and then you uh, paste it on onto one of your emails. Do you think it's fair to say that because this company uh, put a picture of Ben Carson speaking at their uh, at their conference that that means he endorses the company? I think it's BS. Hey, you know what? I know some people in Amway, and I've taken some Neutralite products in my past. And I, you know, when you hear about how Neutralite vitamins are, I think they're good. Okay. Do I take them all the time? No. And uh, what's that other stuff that uh, drink that you're supposed to drink uh, like one shot a day? Um, I don't know what it does. Montevia or something like that. 
Um, I thought it, I, uh, you know, it's kind of tasty. I don't know if it does anything, but quite frankly, it's good mixed with vodka and ice. So I'm sure that's not how it was supposed to, but it's tasty. I don't know if it does anything, but they sell it multi-level and it's uh, expense. It's expensive. And I've, I've gotten a few bottles of it. Most of them I got given to me for free, but it doesn't mean I endorse them. It means I like stuff that tastes kind of like boysenberries and you mix it with vodka. It's pretty good. Pour it over ice cream or just drink a shot of it. Tastes good. Not sure if it's good for you. They say it is. So then uh, uh, Carson commented on Megan Kelly after the debate said this. Well, I think uh, they obviously uh, had an agenda. Uh, and when I compare them to the kind of questions that were asked of the Democrats in their debate, uh, the difference is night and day. But the thing that was really encouraging to me is that the audience was able to pick up on the bias and uh, they were able to act accordingly. And I hope some of the media is starting to recognize this because, as you know, you know, I have been quite critical of the media. Uh, they have their own agenda. They try to formulate the opinions of the people. And uh, I think that people are getting a little sick and tired of it. I know I am. Yeah, do you notice what he said? Hey, the media didn't ask questions like that at the Democrat debate, and they could ask all kinds of questions on the Democrat debate, like, hey, Hillary, what's the deal with the Clinton Foundation? And you go speak at a foreign country, and all of a sudden they make a big, they have a bill come in after you talk to him, make a deal with him, then he comes in and makes a 45-minute speech, you give him $300 million. What's about that? They didn't try to gotcha anybody else. Uh, you know what? When you guys watch these debates, you got to learn to to pick up on little things. Let's listen to the next thing they hit hit Trump on, and I'll tell you what I take from this. You have been very critical of Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, who has wanted to increase the number of these H one B. I was not at all critical of him. I was not at all. In fact, frankly, he's complaining about the fact that we're losing some of the most talented people. They go to Harvard, they go to Yale, they go to Princeton. They come from another country, and they're immediately sent out. Mm-hmm. I am all in favor of keeping these talented people here, so they can go to work in Silicon Valley. So you're so in favor I of increasing not been them? At all critical of him. Where did I read this and come up with this that you were probably? I don't know. You, you people write this stuff. I don't know what you <laughs> My apologies. I'm sorry. Okay, so the thing is that uh, Becky was correct on that one. Donald Trump's own campaign website has language that's critical of the H-1B program and Zuckerberg's involved in it. His involvement in it. Uh, a sentence on DonaldJTrump.com says, Mark Zuckerberg's personal senator, Marco Rubio, has a bill to triple H-1Bs that would decimate women and minorities. What's my thought on this? Maybe Donald Trump should brush up on what's on his own website, what his own positions are. But, you know, I look at this and say, do I know every word that's on my website? No, but I'm not running for president. I have a job to do. I'm closing loans. I'm doing my radio show. And I'm not, and I'm trying to, you know, I read it when we built our website. I read all the stuff on it. I don't remember everything that's on there. And some some things change. And I'm sure that, I am sure that, uh, O'Reilly didn't doesn't know everything that's in uh, in his uh, killing Patton, killing Kennedy, killing killing every other person on on Earth because there's no way he could write books that fast. I'm sure he read them, but I bet you he doesn't know every every line that's on there. So uh, so hey, does Donald Trump know what it is? You know what? When it comes down to it, you know Trump probably doesn't know the 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 uh, the positions. The uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The 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 issues as well as some of the other candidates. 
And I say, you know what? But maybe Trump is what we need. Uh, I talked about this a little last week. Newt Gingrich was talking to Hannity last week, and he talks about his his uh, in his in his uh, vision. The Republicans have two different two different factions. They have the control side and the creativity side. And the control side wants to keep everybody happy and just this this dozen people in control. And let's keep under everything under control. Don't do anything too crazy. Have everything move slow. And the other side of it, the the creative doesn't mind the chaos that's coming in by bringing in Trump and Carly Fearing. They don't mind that because the creativity, all the chaos breeds creativity, and that's what made America great. If you saw the movie Steve Jobs that came out last weekend, they, or if you've read his book, um, his employees talked about this uh, reality, uh, this reality uh, deception, reality distortion field. Yeah, Steve Jobs has a reality distortion field around him because he doesn't see reality. Hey, reality is this, but I don't care about reality. We're gonna we're gonna invent this. We're gonna do this, and out of that bred Apple. And you know what Steve Jobs always said that uh, people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that can change the world. I'm out of time for part part one of the main event, but we're gonna come back with the rest of the debate and a whole bunch of other stuff. Don't go away. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of OCL Capital Corporation. But here's something that sounds like common sense and you need real estate financing. You want to talk to somebody who thinks like you so it can guide you to uh, your goals instead of mine? Call me toll free, 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. Oops, lost my voice there. 855-640-2020. So we've been talking about the debate and uh, the way the, the, the moderators at CNBC um, basically we're attacking the the republicans and uh and I start out with what they did with uh Trump and uh and Ben Carson. One candidate that had a great night to some people. A lot of people say hey Marco Rubio had the greatest night. You know what? To me, I listen to all Marco Rubio's comments and uh it sounds to me like he's just reciting the same speeches he talks about 10 times a week when he's doing campaign stops. Um, that's why he sounds so smooth and so cool because he, he makes these points. He doesn't sound like he's talking off the cuff and just knows his stuff like Carly Fiorina is, is, does like I will show you in a, in a couple of minutes, but let's talk about, uh, Rubio had, a, had a couple of standout moments that I'll, I'll give him, uh, Quintanilla. What's the first name of Quintanilla? Uh, Carl, Carl, he was a doofus. Anyway. Uh, like I said, I don't watch CNBC, so I don't know these guys that well. But uh, he asked, asked him about Palm Beach Sun Sentinel op-ed calling for him to resign from Senate. Let's play that clip. I read that editorial today with a great amusement. It's actually evidence of the bias that exists in the American media well, today. Do you hate your job? Let me, let me answer your question on the Sun Sentinel editorial today. Back in 2004, one of my predecessors to the Senate by the name of Bob Graham, a Democrat, ran for president, missing over 30% of his votes. I don't recall them calling for his resignation. Is that the standard? Later that year, in 2004, John Kerry ran for president, missing close to 60 to 70% of his votes. I don't recall the Sun In fact, the Sun Sentinel endorsed him. In 2008, Barack Obama missed 60 or 70% of his votes, and the same newspaper endorsed him again. So this is another example of the double standard that exists in this country between the mainstream media and the conservative media. Good, good to see that the audience was was catching on to this. Hopefully, you at home were seeing it as well. Then, uh, then Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush, who I think effectively finished his campaign this uh, this week, jumped in and got on the band the bandwagon against Rubio here. All right, could I, could I bring something up here? 
because I'm a constituent of the senator, and I helped him, and, and I expected that he would do constituent service, which means that he shows up to work. Uh, he got endorsed by the Sun Sentinel because he was the most talented guy in the field. He's a gifted politician. But, Marco, when you signed up for this, this was a six-year term, and you should be showing up to work. I mean, literally, the Senate, what is it, like a French work week? You get like three days where you have to show up? You can campaign or just resign and let someone else take the job. There are a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck in Florida as well. They're looking for a senator that will fight for them each and every day. I get to respond, right? 30 seconds. 30 right. seconds. Well, it's interesting. Over the last few weeks, I've listened to Jeb as he walked around the country and said that you're modeling your campaign after John McCain that you're going to launch a furious comeback the way he did by fighting hard in New Hampshire and places like that, carrying your own bag at the airport. You know how many votes John McCain missed when he was carrying out that furious comeback that you're now modeling it under? He wasn't my No, Jeb, I don't remember. Well, let me tell you, I don't remember you ever complaining about John McCain's vote record. The only reason why you're doing it now is because we're running for the same position and someone has convinced you that attacking me is going to help you. I've been... Can you say open mouth, insert foot? I think Jeb Bush is, uh, based on this other comment he made the week before, I think Jeb Bush is done. Put a fork in him. Let's hear, play, hear what, he, what he said the week before, which, you know what? It's, this, is, this is up there with Chris Christie not realizing giving Barack Obama a bear hug four days before the 2012 election was going to be a problem. But let's hear what Bush said when the microphones and the, and the cameras were going. If this election is about how we're going to fight to get nothing done, then I don't want anything. I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be elected president to sit around and see gridlock just become so dominant that people literally are in decline in their lives. That is not my motivation. I got a lot of really cool things that I could do other than sit around being miserable, listening to people demonize me and me feeling compelled to demonize them. That is a joke. Elect Trump if you want that. You know what? I'm taking my ball and going home. If you guys want to play like that, you're going to tackle and hurt people. You know what? I think Jeb Bush, effectively, between those two comments, just stick a fork in him. He's done. He was on uh, on uh, one of the shows uh, the night uh, the night after the after the debate. He goes, "I didn't say it like that. I said it like, hey, if you if you don't want to, if you just want to be in gridlock, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't think that's what he said. And uh, and I think you know when you look at him. He looks like, hey, I'm not having any fun anymore, but all these people gave me money to run for president, and I'm obligated to keep running because I got all this money, and I know I'm not going to win, and I really don't know what to do to get back in the polls. I don't know if Trump's going to win, but I got but I got to do what I can to try and separate myself from the crowd, and... uh I just, I just think Jeb's done. I think everybody else thinks he's done too. So uh, Marco, Ru- Marco Rubio did have, did have a couple of good lines that I really liked, and uh, he called out the media. And I think this next clip where he called out the media as, uh, you know, when they're talking about super PACs and all these, all these uh, political action committees uh, owning these candidates. Let's hear what Rubio said, and he stuck it in their face. You know, the Democrats have the ultimate super PAC. It's called the mainstream media. Who every single day. And I'll tell you why. Last week, Hillary Clinton went before a committee. She admitted she had sent emails to her family saying, hey, this attack in Benghazi was caused by al-Qaeda-like elements. She spent over a week telling the families of those victims and the American people that it was because of a video. And yet the mainstream media is going around saying it was the greatest week in Hillary Clinton's campaign. It was the week she got exposed as a liar. It was the week that she got exposed as a liar. 
like she has her super PAC helping her out, the American mainstream media. Yeah, in your face, mainstream media. You guys are a bunch of slime balls. And here's here's a question I didn't a- ask last week. You know what? Hillary Clinton told her family members that it was a uh, that it was a terrorist attack, and then she told everybody else something different about the video. I wonder what kind of security clearance Chelsea Clinton has. Is she authorized to receive inside information like that? What kind of security clearance does she have? You know, we know that we know that the server that Hillary Clinton had wasn't secure. Of course, the Secret Service guys were outside the door at Clinton's house. Of course, the server was in Colorado. I wonder if there were Secret Service guys out there. Although being secure doesn't mean you got armed guards around it. It means you can't hack into it. And apparently, everybody can hack into that. Um, so anyway, there, there, there we go on that one. In came Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Now let me tell you, Ted Cruz, I think is a brilliant guy. I really like him. But he's born in Canada. And I don't care what you guys say. He's not a natural-born citizen. He's a citizen. He's a citizen. His mom was born in the United States. His dad was born in Cuba. And they moved to Toronto or some uh, place in Canada. And they had a baby named Rafael Edward Cruz. Do you think people that are going to go to the, the, the ballot box thinking they're going to vote for Ted Cruz, and they're not going to see Ted Cruz on the ballot, it's going to say, Rafael Edward Cruz. Well, I guess that's as bad as... Uh, I guess that's not so far out of reach as uh, Barack Hussein Obama, but uh, and everybody voted for that nincompoop. So, but uh, but Ted Cruz was born in Canada. Now you say now there's a bunch of stuff on the internet that says said that that he's still he's still eligible to run for president. But eight years ago, when Hillary Clinton brought brought it up, and everybody else in the world brought it up as to uh, where Barack Obama was born, was he born in Kenya or he's born in Hawaii? And we don't really have any proof that he's born in Hawaii, but we tried to, and uh, someone at the White House uh, used Adobe Writer to uh, cut and paste a uh, a, uh, birth, a birth certificate from Hawaii from a hospital that wasn't called what the hospital is called today, and uh, and there's been proof that it was it was altered. And we all had a big problem with that until it got to be, hey, just give it up. We're not going to do anything about it. So just because we didn't do anything about it with Barack Hussein Obama, I'm not voting for Ted Cruz. Well, if it comes down to he gets the nomination and it's him or Hillary, I guess I'll vote for this country and I guess we'll change the Constitution. But according to how, how our Constitution's written and according to how I've always known it, you can be a citizen without being born in the in the country, but you can't hold the president of the United States position. So Ted Cruz, but Ted Cruz came out and beat up the the moderators like this. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. This is not a cage match. And you look at the questions, Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? Exactly. Get in your face, moderators. Okay, then uh, then they asked a question of Jeb Bush about should we tax fantasy football? As if I give a crap. So, but he went on and said no, and went on to say that he's seven and zero in his fantasy football thing, and he went on to say he's got this guy and that guy, and apparently well, the first time he showed any passion is about fantasy football, and uh, and then of course he went on after after we got after Christie made this comment, he came back on uh, O'Reilly or Hannity or something the next night and go. 
go, hey, can you believe they're talking about fantasy football? Yeah, you answered the question and then went on to show how passionate you were about it. You're done, Jeb. But here's what here's here's how it went straight from Jeb Bush answering the phone on fantasy football to Chris Christie. Carl, are we really talking? So here, Carl, are we say really talking about getting we have government, a government involved in fantasy football? Yeah. Wait a second. We have $19 trillion in debt. We have people out of work. We have ISIS and Al-Qaeda attacking us. And we're talking about fantasy football. Can we stop? I love that. I love that moment. But you know what? Some one of my even one of my borrowers asked me, hey, now that I got you on the phone, what do you think of Chris Christie? I don't think he's real. I don't think he's real. He sounds like he's playing to the cameras. And I, although I love that line, and I and I really used to like Chris Christie. I just don't think he's real. I don't think he's. I don't think he's sincere. I think he's very scripted, and he's playing to the cameras. He's got a specific goal there. He doesn't sound like he's real. Let's talk about who's real. Let's talk about Carly Fiorina. Carly Fiorina. Everyone's looking for her big comeback after the last one, and. Uh, she uh she she did an awesome job. I think she's freaking brilliant on uh, Wednesday night. Here's what she had to say about when this discussion turned to taxes. Let me just say on taxes, how long have we been talking about tax reform in Washington, D.C.? We have been talking about it for decades. We now have a 73,000-page tax code. There have been more than 4,000 changes to the tax plan since 2001 alone. There are loads of great ideas, great conservative ideas from wonderful think tanks about how to reform the tax code. The problem is we never get it done. We have talked about tax reform in every single election for decades. It never happens. And but, politicians always say it's so complicated. You wanna, Nobody you but a politician you... can figure it out. The truth is this. The big problem, we need a leader in Washington who understands how to get something done. Wanna... So, uh, you know, what? I feel like she understands how to lead. She understands the difference between a leader and a manager. And uh, one of her speeches said a manager does, you know, deals with what the circumstances that he has and just tries to manage it. And a leader says, this is what we need to get done and makes the changes that need to change to get where we need to be, regardless of the circumstances where they're at. But, of course, uh, Quint- Quintanilla had to push back, and Carly wasn't having it, and they continued. It you want to bring the 70,000 pages to three? That's right, three pages. Is that you using know why really three? small type? No. You know why three? Because only if it's about three pages are you leveling the playing field between the big, the powerful, the wealthy, and the well-connected who can hire the armies of lawyers and accountants and, yes, lobbyists to help them navigate their way through 73,000 pages. <clears throat> Three pages is about the maximum that a single business owner or a farmer or just a couple can understand without hiring somebody. Almost 60% of American people now need to hire an expert to understand their taxes. So, yes, you're going to hear a lot of talk about tax reform. The issue is who's going to get it done. See how they, at the end of every, everybody's starting to make a good point and they try to cut them off and squelch it. You know, this is how things work, folks. If you simplify the tax plan, so there's not uh, 73,000 pages of loopholes that you can find. Guess what? Rich people are going to have to pay taxes on everything. Then you can lower the tax rate on everybody and everybody pays taxes. You know what? I hear a whole bunch of flat tax people and I'll tell you what I don't. And I agree with a flat tax or a consumption tax. What I don't agree with is if you make, and this is uh, Tom Del Bacaros says that $48,000 a year, if you're a family of four, you don't pay any taxes. Why? 
If you and Trump's plan says if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, whether regardless how big your thing is, you don't pay any taxes. Why? I say everybody pays something. Everybody pays something, or you don't get to vote, which we're going to talk about in a second. Then uh, Becky Quick Quick had to do a uh, attack Carly on her uh, record at Hewlett Packard, which I hear every well she got fired from Hewlett Packard. Let me play that. Someone who invested a dollar in your company the day you took office had lost half of that dollar by the day you left. Obviously, you've talked in the past about what a difficult time it was for technology companies, but anybody who was following the market knows that your stock was a much worse performer if you looked at your competitors, if you looked at the overall market. I just wonder, in terms of all of that, you know, if we look back, your board fired you. I just wondered why you think we should hire you now. You know, the Nasdaq dropped 80 percent, 80 percent, and it took 15 years from the Nasdaq to recover. I was recruited to HP to save a company. It was a company that had grown into a bloated, inept bureaucracy that cost too much and delivered too little to customers and shareholders. It had missed, before I arrived, expectations for nine quarters in a row. As an outsider, I tackled HP's entrenched problems head on. I cut the bureaucracy down to size, reintroduced accountability, focused on service, on innovation, on leading in every market and every product segment. And yes, it was a very difficult time. However, we saved 80,000 jobs. We went on to grow to 160,000 jobs. And scores of technology companies literally went out of business like Gateway, taking all their jobs with them. The truth is, I had to make some tough calls in some tough times. I think actually people are looking for that in Washington now. And yes, I was fired over a disagreement in the boardroom. There are politics in the boardroom as well. And yet the man who led my firing, Tom Perkins, an icon of Silicon Valley, has come out publicly and said, you know what? We were wrong. She was right. She was a great CEO. She'd be a great president of the United States because the leadership she brought to HP is exactly the leadership we need in Washington, D.C. Exactly. And guess what? Oh, oh, uh, she fired. Some people got fired. Romney, uh, 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 fix some companies and some people have lost their jobs. Hey, guess what? I've had 11 jobs in my life and I got fired from six of them. Why? Because I'm outspoken. Um, looking for a word I could say, but it starts with it as it's like a compound word with an A and an H. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, when I was in, in uh, junior high, I used to bring home report cards that said AU. A because I aced all the Texas all the tests, and U because I was a disruptive little clown in the classroom because I want to make people laugh because I got through everything faster than everybody else. Doesn't mean I was doesn't mean I wasn't I was a bad guy. I was just smart. I went through it and I did things and I said what's on my mind. Sorry, I'm on the radio now. I built a company starting with two people. Now I've got 172 people, uh, employees now. It's growing. Guess what? Some people got fired this past week and some people got fired last year and some people got laid off when, when we had some bad times. That's business, folks. Uh, so then, uh, so then she continued to grill her about Tom Perkins, the guy who said we need her in Washington, D.C., how it went here. Mrs. Fiorina, it's interesting that you bring up Mr. Perkins because he said a lot of very questionable things. Last year in an interview, he said that he thinks wealthy people should get more votes than poor people. I think his quote was that if you pay zero dollars in taxes, you should get zero votes. If you pay a million dollars, you should get a million votes. Okay, I agree with that to a point. Do I agree if you make a million dollars, you get a million votes? And if you pay zero taxes, you get zero votes? Not exactly. But if you pay no taxes, you get no votes. Does that mean I want to keep people from getting their vote? No. Everybody should pay taxes. If you make $10 a year, you pay a buck. If you make $1,000 a year, you pay 100 Everybody should pay something. I don't buy this. You know, I pay, I pay 
six figures in in uh, in taxes because I worked my worked my butt off for years and years and years to build this company that makes a whole bunch of people, whole bunch of people so far in in commissions to my salespeople. I've paid out nine and a half million dollars this year in nine months. Okay, let me think. I'm doing something for the economy, and I built it up, and it took 26 years to do it. Okay, I'll pay my six figures, but I don't want my six fig- the money I pay in to go to some of you guys that haven't worked as hard or haven't worked at all, and you paid in $3,000 and you got back $6,000 on your tax return. That's bull. Okay, so I agree with them to some point. Let's get, let, him, let her continue. Is this the type of person you want to defend? Well, you? this is one of the reasons why Tom Perkins and I had disagreements in the boardroom, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless... One of the things that I think people don't always understand is how accountable a CEO actually is. So, you know, I had to report results every 90 days in excruciating detail. I had to answer every single question about every single result and every single projection in public until there were no more questions. And if I misrepresented those results or those projections in any way, I was held criminally liable. Imagine, imagine if a politician were held to that standard of account. I will run on my record all day long. I believe people need a leader who is prepared to make tough calls in tough times and stand up and be held accountable. So, so uh, Carl Quintanilla continued, and you know, I, I, you know, what she gets it. And listen to how how this next question, uh, Quintanilla asked her if she changed her mind on internet sales tax. She didn't just answer it; she under, she answered it, showing that she understands how the world works. Let's play this. Now that the internet shopping playing field has matured, what would be a fair plan to even that playing field? You know, I want to go back for a moment to what we were just talking about. Crony capitalism is alive and well and has been so in Washington, D.C. for decades. What's crony capitalism? Crony capitalism is what happens when government gets so big and so powerful that only the big and the powerful can handle it. So why are the pharmaceutical companies consolidating? Why are there five even bigger Wall Street banks now instead of the ten we used to have on Wall Street? Because... When government gets big and powerful, the big feel like they need to get even bigger to deal with all that power. And meanwhile, the small and the powerless, in this case, 1,590 community banks go out of business. You see, folks, this is how socialism starts. Government causes a problem, and then government steps in to solve the problem. This is why, fundamentally, we have to take our government back. The student loan problem has been created by government. Government trying to level the playing field between Internet and brick and mortar creates a problem. The FCC jumping in now and saying we're going to put 400 pages of regulation over the Internet is going to create massive problems. But guess who pushed for that regulation? The big Internet companies. This is what's going on. Big and powerful use big and powerful government to their advantage. It's why you see Walgreens buying Rite Aid. It's why you see the pharmaceuticals getting together. It's why you see the health insurance companies getting together. It's why you see the banks consolidating. And meanwhile, small businesses are getting crushed. Community-based businesses and farms are getting crushed. Community banks are going out of business. Big government favors the big, the powerful, the wealthy, and the well-connected and crushes the small and the powerless. It is why we have to simplify. It is why we have to reduce the size and power of government. It's the only way to level the playing field between big and powerful and small and powerless. Exactly. She gets it. Do you do you, do you hear the difference between 
how Trump says how wonderful he is, how Rubio has his can lines, how Jeb doesn't get it, how, you know, Kasich tells you what you can't get done and what you can get done. Huckabee, Huckabee, I think is great. He's just not going to get elected. Rand Paul is not going to get elected. He doesn't get, he gets some of it, doesn't get it. But Carly Free Arena has a, has a true, true understanding of it. And you know what? I'm not sure I'm ready for a, a female president. But you know what? I certainly don't want Hillary. And Carly Fiorina, I think, would eat Hillary's lunch. And I think she understands. I think she's Margaret Thatcher reincarnated. So CNBC brought on a couple other other uh, uh, moderators. Sharon Epperson asked Fiorina about this issue. And I'll tell you that I said no as soon as she answered the question. Before Fiorina could say it, I said it right out loud, real loud. Let's hear how she said it about 401ks. Mrs. Fiorina, you were the CEO of a large corporation that offers a 401k to its employees. But more than half of American workers have no access to an employer-sponsored retirement plan. That includes the workers at small businesses and the growing ranks of Uber drivers and other part-timers in the freelance economy. Should the federal government play a larger role in helping to set up retirement plans for these workers? No. The federal government should not play a larger role. Look, every time the federal government gets engaged in something, it gets worse. And then the government steps in to try and solve the problem. And we get a little further down to that progressive vision that Hillary Clinton is talking about. Companies should if they want to attract the best workers, provide a good set of benefits. But honestly, if you're a small business owner today, you are being crushed. We have 400,000 small businesses forming every year in this country. How great is that? They are employing themselves. They are potentially employing others. The bad news is we have 470,000 going out of business every year. And why? They say Obamacare. So they are refusing to. You wouldn't agree with a starter 401k for businesses or anything like that? I think it's a wonderful thing that businesses start a 401k. The point I'm making is this the federal government should not be in a lot of things. There is no constitutional role for the federal government in setting up a retirement plans. There is no constitutional role for the federal government to be setting minimum wages. Thank you the very much. The more the government gets engaged in the economy, the slower the economy becomes. The more the government gets engaged in the economy, it is demonstrably Thank true. You. The more the big, so the powerful, much. the wealthy, and the well-connected Thank you, are advantaged. We appreciate it. Thank you. See how they're trying to cut her off, and you know what? Let me give you a let me give you a clue. It's called free market capitalism, everybody. Free market capitalism. We have a four hundred one k at our at our office, and our employees enjoy it. Doesn't cost me that much. It's a great benefit to our employees. Hey, I'm out of time for the this episode of the main event. We'll be back with a lot more next week. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey.